Greetings, greenhouse people, and welcome to another episode of Tech on Demand, brought to you by Grower Talks. I'm your host, Bill Calkins, and our goal here is to help you grow your best crop ever by sharing cultural and technical information based on discussions with experts around the globe, although sometimes we'll cover other topics in the horticulture realm, like nursery and retail. And that's the case this time. And I'm excited to be joined by Sam Kirkland, National Business Development Strategist for Epicor Software. Sam brings more than three decades of experience to his role at Epicor, and he joined the company in 2011 following a merger with Activant Solutions, where he was a national accounts manager in the retail distribution group. But he's been at this a lot longer than that. He joined then Triad Systems in 1984 when he started his career as field engineer and worked through the ranks as senior field engineer and regional network coordinator, and has plenty of retail systems experience in lawn and garden, as well as firearms and sporting goods, hardware, and farm, ranch, and home businesses. In his role at Epicor, he supports their partners and builds strong programs to drive initiatives. So let's get into it. Sam and I are about to discuss how to leverage local messaging, technology, and measurable programs to drive significant bottom line growth. And according to Sam, modern engagement strategies are proving successful in garden center retail, as well as other industries, to include community and local messaging, customer growth management, and loyalty marketing. And all these pieces work together to generate dollars that go straight to your bottom line. As a quick reminder, be sure to subscribe to Tech on Demand brought to you by Grower Talks on your favorite podcast app like iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and most others. That way you'll never miss an episode. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Hey, glad to be here. Uh, I sincerely appreciate the opportunity uh, to talk with you on this topic that we are. Uh, shout out to all the Epicor customers listening. Hey, and uh, hi to everybody else in the industry. Awesome. And I'm sure that uh, we're going to have a lot of listeners to this because it is an important topic. So, and actually, that's a good place to start. Why don't we start by talking about why this topic is important? Um, we had a bunch of different ideas for for where to go with this podcast, but Looking at the upcoming season, um, there's no doubt that, that that garden centers and everyone in the industry gained uh, a lot of new customers in 2020, probably saw a lot of them come back in 2021 and are planning for growth in 2022. And those growth ranges are, are all, all over the place from 5% and I've heard as high as 15%. And so, but I wonder how much do, do does everyone really know about these new customers and, and what those triggers are going to be to turn them from uh, shoppers into loyal customers. So Sam, why don't you share a few thoughts on why this topic of next level customer retention is so important and why you added growth and brand building into the conversation? So it is funny on growth, right? In 19, it was um, you know, kind of the beginning 20 was, uh, we're going out of business to, I doubled my business. And now what happens in 2022? And um, it's, it's that five to 10% average growth that I'm hearing from our customer base, um, and especially in this industry, and others are, are more and it's, it's okay, how do we grow? Um, and I think there's a few things to think about uh, when we think about a uh, an engagement, um, can, um, 
on that. So one, I, I kind of put three types of customer engagement and then three uh, levels of engagement to think about. So the levels one, I think if we think about the highest level, it's I start out at community engagement, that our businesses are local, and we'll talk about that in a bit, but it's that we are engaged in the communities. Uh, then there's customer engagement. Uh, and then there's that kind of that loyal loyalty brand ambassador. So if we start with that, just understanding those three and then move into the customer engagement portion of it, I really put those in three, three groups. One is um, customer growth, net new customers into a business. And Bill, what would we have to pay a marketing group to bring millions of new customers into our businesses? Oh my gosh, I don't know that you can even put a number on it. That's got to be astronomical. Yeah, each customer has a, has a cost. Yeah, like, hey, I want 5 million new customers this year, 7 million new customers. <laughs> the blank check. Here, here's a blank check. Figure it out. So we, we saw that. Now, how do we, how do we maintain those? So, uh, so the three levels would be net new, and that was kind of handed to us. Um, I think there's a small focus still needs to be looked at on that. The other is really that the crux is the customer retention. How do we maintain those customers, welcome them back into the business, and have them you know, become engaged with our business? And then the other really is the brand building. So I have a new competitor. I've done something new in the business. I have a new greenhouse. I have a new brand I'm bringing in. And it's a shorter term, how do I bring uh, the community into my business? Um, and my definition, uh, real quick, uh, on customer engagement is really if I have a product or a service in my business and the consumer's first thought is that business to go to to get that product or service, you have an engaged consumer. I think that's the key. Um, so if we look at those a little bit, you know, the, the brand building um, is really, to, in my mind, attached to the community. Uh, we need to get them into the store. Um, and because I've done something new and I want to show off something. Um, sometimes that means that uh, deeper discounts. Uh, it could be events. You know, there's a cost to that, but it's a shorter term. You know, this isn't over a season. This is, you know, might be pre uh, invite people in, you know, before my busy time in the spring, uh, especially if you're up in the, in the Midwest or any other times or, you know, where the peak seasons are, wherever you are in, in the country. So I think that is one thing to think about. Um, those are shorter term, um, uh, quick hits. Um, the customer growth side, um, it's to invite new customers. So again, um, different strategies on that, uh, self-promotion. Why are we important? What do we offer over the competition? How do we you know, engage them and, and make sure that they know we are the place they should be shopping? And then really the retention. And when we talk about how do we maintain, a lot of it is just communication. Hmm. There's incentives that we can do with um, uh, you know, pricing and things like that, but there could be events and seminars and newsletters. What we've heard from the consumers is they really want to be just stayed in contact with. You know, if you have a product and I don't have it available, just tell us. If, you know, just tell me what's going on, stay connected, let me know what's happening in the business. Um, so 
it could be a challenge for businesses that haven't done that for the businesses that are doing well, I, I, you know, just maintain it, drive it home, you know, just don't give up. Don't, don't let up on the gas pedal on that one. And I think understanding if we look at that, you know, if we look at there's a community level, a, a customer consumer level, and then the, the loyalty level, to me, there's three different ones and then throw each one of those up on the, throw that on the grease board for your next meeting and, uh, and look at that. And um, understand that these will really help drive a significant improvement to the bottom line. Businesses that have a very focused loyalty program drive a better bottom line. The numbers are there, and I know we'll talk about how do you how do you look at those numbers and, and see those. But it's it's building a vision, building a plan, coming up with realistic goals, KPIs. Uh, if you're a very seasoned uh, loyalty building, consumer engagement, uh, you know, business, you're, you're probably rolling on it. But what are the goals for 2022? Measurable. Uh, be, you know, do we need to modify anything? And if you're just starting out, you know, well, I just had a loyalty program as everybody else did, but I don't know what I'm really doing. You know, take a couple steps back now and evaluate. Who are your customers? Who's in the door? And where is my growth opportunity? No, I think that, you know, you touched on so, so many things uh, there. And it, it occurs to me that when you talk about being that first thought, um, that is really should be the goal. Um, because once you kind of nailed that in terms of engagement, um, you are, you know, you're kind of set up for the, for the success of these other layers. And you talked about a vision and a plan and then figuring out those KPIs and that's, you know, that, that, that's basic planning and it, and it probably doesn't always uh, drive our decision-making. So I do want to get into that here in a little bit. And, you know, this gives us a really good uh, starting point. So and I know that we can talk about this for hours, but I'm pretty sure the listeners don't have hours and hours to, to listen. So let's uh, let's get down into the into the, the the true tactics here. So why does driving loyalty need to be such a you know why does it need to be like a formal objective? You talked about putting it down on the board and having this vision, having these plans, knowing your KPIs. And another thing you told me is that. Um, it's really time for the listeners and, and garden centers to take credit, um, take the credit that they deserve. So why do you, you know, why do you feel that this needs to be a, a more of a, a formal plan or at least something that's not just a, an idea floated out there? One is just the numbers that I see from our customer base <clears throat> that what loyalty actually does to the bottom line. Uh, significant improvement. Uh, huge. And as consumers have multiple places to shop for the most part in most, you know, areas, um, we just want to drive more of that, you know, more of their revenue into my business. I have to earn it. Um, and I think loyalty programs not only keeps the customer engaged, but it keeps a focus on the business to think I have to, you know, keep looking at this. Is it doing what it's supposed to be doing? And if it isn't, change it, but don't give up on it. There's a secret sauce and the business across the street's secret sauce isn't going to be your secret sauce. 
it, it's called your secret sauce for a reason because <laughs> it's yours. Yep. Um, the other thing that I think that we're really learning through all of this is the new consumers coming in that local matters. Local is huge. They want to shop local. Um, they seek local. So let's, let's promote it. But my question is, are businesses really promoting themselves as local? Um, and if we think of in they, so they're doing all the right local things. Um, and if we think, you know, what are those? Well, they're involved in schools. They're involved with the faith-based communities out there, garden clubs, you know, the, the pollinators that come in, the people that want butterflies, the birds, all the eco, they're all supporting it. And the, that's what the industry is. But are they getting really the support the, um, that, that they're driving? I mean, if, you, if there's a community garden, go put a yard sign out there with your business name on it. If you're, if you're supporting a school, put, put something out there. You know, are, your, are your vehicles labeled with your name on them as you're driving around? I think those things have a huge impact. I don't think customers, you know, some are just like, well, we just do it because, you know, you're supposed to. Well, if new consumers want local and they don't know that and they don't know the things that you're doing, they might choose to go somewhere else. So one is, I, I think local to me is absolutely huge. And I think a lot of businesses are missing a significant opportunity to promote their business. Uh, the other is leadership in the uh, in the industry, right? You don't go to Home Depot and get a whole lot of diagnostics help. Mm-hmm. You get pointed to a shelf, right? And how big is that shelf with um, with insect control, right? Well, it's probably 12 feet high, and it's probably 40 feet long, 30 feet long, and you're just pointed there and go you know, go do this. So we need to also promote that we are the leaders in the industry. We know what's going on. And you come to us for help, not only product help, but the um, making sure the product is successful. So I think those are things that really help drive that bottom line. Um, and the other is really understanding the customer purchase behavior. You know, the frequent shopper, um, you know, everybody thinks, well, we need to have customers in 12 times a year. Well, what if I only want to come in once a year? What if I'm a consolidated shopper and I only have, you know, I'm going to plant a couple of plants on my deck. Uh, you know, I have a patio and I'm just going to put a couple of things on the patio. And that's all I want to really come to you because that's all I know that you do. I don't know that you have a holiday season. Um, so it's under, I think if we understand the consumers better, and I think this will be a marketing challenge that, um, that we have to address a pretty broad net of people that want to come in three or four times a year, five times or more. Uh, we have people that want to come in and see us once a year. And the people that once a year are the ones that we have to invite to another season. And um, so when, as we drive marketing, uh, we have to be aware, you know, that we have gender and we have generation and uh, we have different living conditions that promote different purchases. So all of that, uh, and I think as we've gotten the new consumers into our business, it has changed who our business is and supports. And we have to approach all of those consumers a little bit differently, a little bit of a marketing challenge or, or change. 
uh, in that. So I think all of those are reasons that, you know, why local matters, why, why community matters, and why our industry is, is poised to really be, you know, the leader and grasp more of that business that's out there today. And I think the the complexity of of all of those different factors that you just named kind of is the reason why there needs to be a strategic approach to this and why it needs to be thought through. Um, And, you know, every business isn't going to be able to tackle each one of those uh, different considerations, but you almost need to sit down and rank them um, on how, you know, what is going to engage your shoppers in a local experience, you know, they're going to come in hope, you know, wanting an expert on whatever subject they have. You're right. They're not going to get it at some of the the competition. Um, So you can really hang your hat on that because chances are you've got that knowledge in house. Um, And then understanding the purchase behavior, you know, paying attention to it, you know, asking folks, you know, you know, why do they come in and shop? You know, that's going to give you some, some really great insight that you can then turn into a plan. And, um, you know, I, I think when, when you started all this by talking about how this loyalty drives the bot drives right to the bottom line, that's going to be the inspiration to actually sit down and, and get this planning done. So I think you have to consider all these points when you're building a brand, um, you know, probably in a, in a much more formal way than, than perhaps we have in the past. Um, just expecting and, and thinking that, that the fact that you are a great business that does a lot in your community probably isn't going to get you all the way to that, to your, your shoppers or prospective shoppers having that feeling. So, you know, thinking now that we've got this, this goal in place, um, perhaps we've, we've outlined it, um, it's really time to add tactics and, and start, uh, you know, start working toward toward the end goal. And, and these tactics aren't going to be written in stone because you've got to be flexible. Um, that's kind of the beauty of being a small business is having that flexibility to, to tweak as you go. Um, you probably write them in pencil or on the dry erase board uh, so that you can you can change as you go. But how do you think loyalty can be measured? Because it, it could be kind of one of those big terms that that's hard to it's hard to understand or hard to, to see it in action, but you talked about how you can uh, do some measurements around it, some of the things to track, but what are some of the successful tactics you've seen to build loyalty through a strategic program, not just, uh, you know, not just an idea or a concept? One is buy a bigger grease board because mm. we'll need it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and number two is, is be willing to be nimble right? Be able to change um, as we, as we measure and see things, if they're working, you know, promote them, maybe double down uh, if they're not tweak. Right. So like you said, it's not a, it's not an end stone creating that secret sauce takes time. Um, and the other is stay on your vision and plan, right? What are, what are we trying to accomplish? Uh, let's set realistic goals. You know, let's look at a 10% improvement in, in loyalty this year. And, you know, let's build on that. Um, so that's, uh, so a couple of things that where I see, um, our, our customers, uh, it's evaluating signups at point of sale, right? How are our clerks doing? Cause that's usually the number one place that you're going to sign up for a loyalty program. Um, and it's very simple to do. You just take the number of transactions running through 
the register by clerk. Uh, and then how many of those are loyalty? And it becomes a percent. And uh, it's in, in our system, in Epicor, commercial, um, it, uh, it, it's very easy to do. And you evaluate clerks. Um, you know, if they're if 60% of the people coming through a clerk's register are already loyalty members, my assumption is it might be a little bit tougher to get a few in, but I should have some trickle through. If I have a clerk that has um, 5% loyalty is coming in, my expectation is they're gonna get a higher sign-up rate. So um, that turns into understanding what clerks are doing a really good job at this and what clerks might need a little bit more education. So uh, that's one. The other is the ability to sign them up quickly, right? Um, I have a customer that I worked with uh, in the uh, Northeast and uh, it takes them 20 seconds to sign up a new loyalty member. Uh, they get the cell phone and the email and uh, they scan the, the driver's license in. they have all the information, two inputs and they're out the door. Even in the middle of their, their spring season, uh, their focus is if somebody's coming and buying one item, they'll ask them real quick, but they're not going to promote it. Um, but if they're in there buying, you know, 10, 50, you know, hundred bucks, uh, they will, they will promote their loyalty program. The other is be able to explain the loyalty program in, in 10 to 20 seconds, man, it can't be complex and it can't be, I don't know you get a discount, <laughs> you know, so, but it's okay. With our loyalty program, you get, you know, 2% off uh, everyday purchases, uh, you get a two-year warranty and you're added to your email. It's really great. Uh, you know, that's a, well, okay, how do I say no to that? Because um, I've hit a few things there. I get, you know, a discount. Uh, I get a warranty and I get a newsletter. Um, that covers a lot of generations right there. So, you know, we can throw a broad net as, as we're doing, uh, doing that. Um, you know, the other thing, just a side note, I thought about this this morning, it was staff picks. Right. If you go through a store and you say, here's what we're growing. And, you know, then I was kind of chuckling to myself that, you know, maybe if you work in one of these businesses, you don't want to grow anything. Right. So sell goldfish. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the cobbler's kids with no shoes. Um, so that's there. Um, the other is um, considered uh, tier programs. Um, so we reward our better customers with more. Um it could be, you know, more discounting, a little higher level, uh, longer warranty, or maybe only if you're in this level, you get a warranty. But think about how do we tier a program? And let's not always think about that it has to be a bigger discount. It can be. I'm not opposed to that. But I think we need to think outside. Most businesses need to think outside the box a little bit. And what are other driver benefits that we can drive that don't have the impact on my business as much as a, a margin erosion? If they're driving enough to, to warrant that, I'm really good with it. Mm -hmm. But uh, if we can analyze that, and I know we'll talk about that. Um, and the, really the last is, I think this industry is ready for a fee-based um, program. And as we look at fee-based programs, um, don't make them too cheap, but our target audience is really our top 20% of our customer base. That is who we can sell the tier program into. And these are our brand ambassadors in our store. 
I mean, I would be giving them T-shirts. I would be giving them stickers. I would be giving, you know, they, um, you know, a wine night. A uh, if if you do wine, special events just for them. Um, I have a customer that's looking at how do I offer free delivery? You know, four deliveries a year uh, within a certain radius, so it doesn't get too crazy. Um, using you know uh, Uber or Lyft or uh, other uh, companies out there that are doing delivery out of the business. So I think um, I usually when you talk about this, I think people think about way too many customers. Like I can't sell it to everybody. Mm-hmm. My goal would be 20%, the top 20% of my existing loyalty program could be a fee-based. Um, and I think those are things, all of those things uh, are things that you should consider when trying to develop a, a program that for a quick hit right out of the box. Fee-based sounds scary. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I think that I can see that there would be hesitation to that, but yes. what's the downside? I mean, they're, they're, you know, you give it a try, you make sure you put enough to it that, that there is a clear um, benefit to, yes. to that group. And then you target the group within the group, right? I mean, you take your loyalty customers and then you target a subset of them with this program. I, I think it's a fantastic idea. I personally am a member of a couple different fee-based loyalty programs that, you know, it, it wasn't, a, you know, the first time that the company contacted me, I didn't sign up. But then when I started to see the value and, and like you said, the, the fact that I would be an ambassador and I would then, um, I guess, feel much more a part of that group um, and then it, it did drive loyalty in my purchasing. So I think that it's a matter of, you know, for the listeners, think about groups or think about companies or organizations that you are a paying member of. Um, and, and, and the fact that you do then feel a lot more connection to that group and then think about how you could really benefit from that type of customer. And it's a small set, right? It's not a lot, Mm-mm. but it's driving. I mean, we, we shop Costco. I, I, I pay to shop at a grocery yep. store. Same here. I pass five grocery stores to get to Costco. Yep. It's insane, right? Uh, but we do it. Yep. And Where do I go for gas? I will drive out of my way to get gas at Costco. Yeah. We will go to Costco to buy things that we could easily get at two other places on the way. But yeah, that, that's a great example. So it's just, they're there. And again, it's not, you know, I think if we think about that, it's, you know, think about the top 20%. Mm. And these are, these are the customers who are engaged with us. Um, And if you're, you know, thinking about it, invite them to the business one day and ask, you know, tell them you're thinking about this and this is the program and what do they think? Sure. I'll tell you. (laughs) People love to give, give their opinions and feedback to businesses Uh, that they like. Um, but yeah. you got to make it easy, which gets to those other points you made about make it easy to sign up. I mean, my gosh, when when you when someone asks you to sign up for a a program and then they hand you like a you know a job application and and you know need the the names of your children, it's like oh my gosh, like no, this is way too complex. And then, or if you know they can't really explain the benefits you get, like I think about Eddie Bauer's really good at explaining those benefits really fast. Every clerk does it every time you go in. Um, and you get a benefit to it, you know, and, and you talked about the different generations you can hit with a discount, a warranty, 
a newsletter and and we are selling to at least four generations right now which can be a challenge but um it's kind of like learning styles you need to have uh different tactics to approach each one and you know you did give us some good tactics there i love it i think that there's some good homework for the listeners already um but that's really not where it ends because you know and especially you guys at epicor know better than anyone else the amount of data that this can generate um which can be overwhelming until you understand how to use it to your benefit so what should a garden center look at in terms of reporting and the data so that they can have measurable ways to really look at the success of a loyalty program what it, and i guess what does that success look like it could be growth in membership i guess it could be growth in the dollars generated from the loyalty group but um like i said you you know way more about this than i do so what does that success look like what are the metrics and how hard is it to really make your systems work to deliver you this information and you know i have to again a little eight second commercial epicord you know we, th there's a lot of data in the system right and i think we extract it really well mm. uh in different means we have dashboards we can push information to people on a cell phone so you know daily they get it weekly they get it so it's you know technology should allow businesses today to not be behind the screen to find information it's create what you want and then deliver it to you in the means that you want it whether it's at a screen at a dashboard or uh you know email you a pdf and uh, and you have that information whenever you want it or you know on demand run it now and send it to my cell phone um and you shouldn't have to be in the business to get the information right you know we we, we are mobile uh and owners a lot of owners are mobile so you shouldn't have to be in the business to get the information so the technology allows that today so what are the you know what what are the metrics now that we need to look at well one it's it's signups and we talked about that before mm -hmm. How many new signups are we getting? And then we need to evaluate loyalty customers versus non-loyalty. Um, and I usually like to just break that up as loyalty as a percent. So if we take about um, the number of transactions, so how many numbers of the transactions flow through the business? Well, let's just say 100. Well, mm -hmm. how many of those are loyalty? I'd like 50, right? If we're at half, half is... For me, 50% is a, is a good benchmark. Below that, probably increase it. And the businesses that are above that, and there are some that are significantly above that. And that's where you see phenomenal you know, numbers out of this. But so I think that starts the evaluation. So number of transactions, the total dollar spend, the uh, and then the line items per transaction. So typically what we see it's the dollar spend is higher in loyalty per transaction because they have more line items per transaction. Mm -hmm. But that just proves it out. So that's a good metric to have those two. It's kind of a duh. But if it's not, you have an area of opportunity. Um, the other is gross margin as a percent and as a dollar. I think both of those are really good to look at it for business. Um, and one reason, if you know, if we think about a business doing a million dollars a couple of years ago, you know, they might be doing 1.72, maybe a little over 2 million today. And so, you know, a 10% growth in a $2 million business is different than 10% growth in a million dollar. Mm -hmm. So I think the dollar puts it a little bit more in perspective and uh, definitely the percent to make sure 
that our percent is where it needs to be. Um, but I think both of those are really important to look at. And the other is to really look at it in a year to year, year over year basis, not a year versus last year. Mm. It's really, I, okay, I want to grow over last year. And, and the, but let's, what were the last five years? Am I continuing a growth pattern for five years? Because the really thing I don't want to do right now is give up any ground. Right. I don't want to go backwards. Uh, I do want to grow. And uh, I think looking at these really will help the businesses understand um, the, the growth, the pod, what is happening, mm. and it'll add more value to if the program's working, it's easier to invest more in it. Uh, you know, and how do we get higher wages? Well, you, you know, loyalty might be able to, uh, to really help fund that higher wage that we're faced with um, and, and different things out there. So, you know, those are, I think, the key metrics to look at. Um, are, are, is, are our employees promoting the program? And then what are the true numbers behind it? And let's look at it in a couple different formats, because if we just look at a percent, well, I have a 2% growth. Well, what's that dollar mean to the business? Right. That's a good visual, um, especially for business. You know, if it's just the owner, it's really good looking at it. But if there's a staff looking at this, you know, all of a sudden they're going, oh, oh, you know, oh, yeah, it, it opens eyes. Mm. Um, and it, it creates that, um, that drive inside the business that they're, you know, now they're working together on the goal. It's just not, well, we have to do this because, you know, we have to do this. Why? Because well, it really matters. Um, and you get, you know, you get the business supporting behind it. You have a lot more successful uh, mm. thing there. The other really tool that you can look at, uh, we have a, a program called Market Basket. Um, uh, other people call it product affinity, but it's when a product sells, what's the pull through with it? Mm. If I sell this you know, hanging basket, what else sells with it? And this is really a, a marketing gold mine, but it also, I think, helps drive loyalty and evaluate because if we have a sale item, I just put that, if I have this, you know, a sale for Friday, Saturday, Sunday on a plant, I'm going to put that plant in for those three days. What was the pull through? And if I'm not seeing significant pull through to other products, do I really need to have that sale? Mm-hmm. And it'll show you like, you know, how many transactions happened and how many transactions had another item on it. And what are the other items? Um and so it, that can help in multiple ways. So if I know I sell this product and I look back every time I sold that product, what sold with it, and I'm going to put it on sale, I'm going to make sure that right next to that product is something with a higher percent margin that I know sells with it. So it's a grab and go. You know, I'm going to buy both of these. I don't want to have to buy the sale item to walk across the store to, to buy what normally goes with. I'm going to make it easy for them. Coupons, if you have a coupon, coupons normally have a skew, right? And with that coupon, what was the value of the coupon during the sale? Um, I mean, it helps merchandising, right? It, it's putting those higher prices together. It helps with kidding. You know, am I getting the fertilizer sale with the products that I'm selling? Maybe I need to have fertilizer spread out all across the store so it's easy to do. Um, and that, that's really the, the proof. Is it happening or not? In a, in a simple to use program. Um, and the other thing Market Basket <laughs> really does, it, it can help you get rid of old product. Yeah. If I have a seasonal product I got to get rid of, well, if you buy this, I'll give you this at 50% off because you know, I want it out of here. Or if I really want it out of here, 
if you buy this, I'll just give you this over here because mm -hmm. I bought it out of a store. So it can help evaluate those and, you know, faster moving items or a whole lot. So Market Basket, don't undervalue what that program to, can do to really help analyze, look at the success of a, uh, of a loyalty program, customer engagement program. Yeah, I, I, I love all this. I think that, you know, what we're talking about here is somewhat of a mindset shift. But when you see the, the data behind it, and you're able to track and measure it, you're, you're gonna be much more likely to to make it a priority. And you talked about the transparency within your team. That's huge, too, because you want everybody on the same page, if you're going to uh, make this uh, such a priority within your business. Um, you know, the the year over year measuring, I think, is very critical. And when you look at this within your loyalty program, seeing those kind of gains um, will uh, give you much more, I guess, put much more emphasis on that group and allow you to, to divert some marketing dollars to it. Um, and then, you know, just the different things to measure, the, the new signups, the loyalty versus non-loyalty as a percentage of, of your sales. Those are, you know, all different metrics that are going to help drive home the importance of the loyalty program and, and bring it top of mind. Um, Market Basket, I think, is brilliant. Um, you know, just having an understanding of what sells with what uh, does help you do everything from displays to, you know, promotions. Um, and, and, you know, you probably... You know, it certainly helps to be able to, to analyze this using technology. Uh, but if you don't have that capability, there's no reason you can't just jot things down, jot down notes. You know, in the spring, if everybody you bought, you know, or, you know, a huge number of people who bought wave petunias then asked you where the fertilizer was or, you know, where, where a certain ancillary product is, or everybody who bought bulk mulch also bought, you know, a, a shovel and a wheelbarrow you know, you're going to start putting these products together um, in a very conscious way instead of hoping that folks roam the store to find that that ancillary product when your staff's probably too busy that time of year to answer the questions. So yeah, um, yeah. these are numbers all uh, you know, right. numbers, there. And look, the good, the bad, and the ugly are all in the numbers. <laughs> um, but I'd like to know earlier in the season than after the season, for sure, for sure. And even going back and, and analyzing some of the data from last year to, to make your decisions moving into spring, um, you know, the, this definitely gives you some of the metrics to look at. You know, we've, it's a whole lot to think about, but it all boils down to that engagement and growth and loyalty and how that is going to be the way that we continue to grow and build these new shoppers that we've gained in the last few years um, because you know historically as an industry i don't know that we've been great at retaining them i mean our our growth numbers are you know we we do trend up you know when no matter how far you look back but you know have we maximized some of these windfalls that we've seen and i think now is really the time to do it because like you said the cost to gain that kind of numbers of new shoppers is you know, it, it, it's it's unmeasurable, and um, the fact that they've fallen into our lap is is fantastic. And we've done a lot to get them, but you know, we're going to need to do a lot more to retain them. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
I know that we both really enjoy thinking about this and having these discussions and talking to garden centers and hearing what they're doing. Um, but uh, time's probably come to an end here for our conversation, although I really wish it wasn't. But before we wrap up, what have we missed? Like what, you know, do you have any last thoughts to share? I'm sure you do. Um, and, you know, something to, to leave the listeners with as they uh, go off and start planning to retain and grow these customers and increase this engagement uh, moving into the, the next year. So this could be an hour conversation, <laughs> but I'll keep it um, to two quick, one word reminder, really that, you know, the, the new consumer out there likes local. Mm. Right. Promote local, get what you deserve for the businesses that you are. Uh, I think that that is one quick hit. If you're not doing that, doesn't cost a lot. You're already doing the work. Just get the reward for for what you're doing. And the other, I think, as we start to go through this and as businesses have time, because this isn't something that you can do all the time, but it's really understanding the purpose of the purchase. Um, you know, if somebody's coming in and buying a house plant, you know, what are you doing? Um, well, I want something on my desk. Okay. Well, you realize that that pot has holes at the bottom of it. Uh, you need something on the bottom that gets water, uh, or, um, uh, you know, it's a gift or, you know, I'm trying to container garden. I saw my neighbor do something. I want to, I want a flower. I, you know, whatever it is, but what, why are they purchasing a product? I mean, if they're buying a product or something that, um, you know, I come in and, you know, I fill a cart and I check off because my cart's full. Um, but, you know, those that aren't questionable, of what are we doing? What are we accomplishing? And help them be successful. That's a really, and the problem is we can't do it all the time because we have a lot of, you know, consumers come in, customers come in. But when we can, are we really promoting our business? And I think that's a really easy way to do it is get the staff behind, you know, what, what do you, what do you, what are you doing? Um, because if someone bought a house plant for their desk for the first time, two weeks later, I'd send them a note that their plant's lonely. <laughs> it, needs a, it needs a mate. So, uh, and this, this one to go along with it, um, you know, little things like that, that those, that type of data is in the system, you can extract it. But I think just, you know, building that, that loyalty, that loyal or that local that community that I am really want you to be successful with whatever you purchase from the business, all of those things just start to, you know, if we, that's a simple thing to start. Mm -hmm. And so what do we do next year? Well, we do something, you know, we just keep building, we roll in on this, that we want them to know that what you buy in our business, we stand behind it, we support it, and we want you to be successful. Um, and if I can help you with that, that's there. And I think a lot of that just, why, why are you buying this? Mm -hmm. Be a simple question. Yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, if you can instill in your staff to ask that question, to be genuinely interested um, and inquisitive of your, of your shoppers, you're going to be amazed at the amount of response that you get and the amount of insight that's going to give you into that shopper. Um, and, you know, what you said about these are a lot of things that you're probably already doing but get credit for it, you know, shine a spotlight on it. You know, I've always said, if, if your business is like third generation, you got to have pictures around of those previous generations, hard at work, you know, supporting the community. Um, people probably know your parents and grandparents and know, know the family. So remind them why, 
they love shopping at your store um, because that, you know, everybody's attention spans are short, but that kind of reminder goes a long way in, in bringing everything right back to home, right back to that local experience. So Sam, thank you so much. Um, before we close, why don't you let the audience know where they can learn more about Epicor and maybe how they can reach out with questions as they work through this process or, or need help um, planning or understanding how they can start collecting this data. One easy way is uh, epicor.com slash retail, and that'll take you to the retail uh, or reach out to me. Uh, I enjoy conversations. Um, whether you're a customer or not, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I'm a resource. And uh, email simple, it's skirkland at epicor.com. It's S. K-I-R-K-L-A-N-D at epicor.com. Awesome. And I'll put that information as well as a few other resources in the show notes. So it's just a click away. Um, we're out traveling again, probably going to be at trade shows here soon. Uh, you'll see Sam out and about, catch him, pick his brain, have a good conversation. And I guarantee that uh, just like we have over the, the course of this podcast, you're going to get a ton of ideas um from things that that sam has seen working out in the marketplace so uh again thank you so much sam and all the folks at epicor uh you guys are in all sorts of different businesses and the a lot of these trends and and uh ideas that you've shared are working in other industries as well so um you've got a lot of, of experience and knowledge to share uh and to the listeners i really encourage you to spend some time with your management team uh, developing clear goals related to customer engagement, because when you have that vision and that plan and those tactics, you're you're well on the way to to success leading into the next season. And talk to your peers. I mean, our industry is great about peer to peer resources. Find out some of the strategies that have worked and even ones that didn't and reach out to companies like Epicor that have so much experience working with garden centers of all sizes. You know, this isn't just a uh, these ideas don't just work for, for huge garden centers with massive marketing budgets. These are uh, applicable to, to all sizes and all budgets. And, um, you know, I think that uh, you're, you're going to find success. You're going to build growth through your lo most loyal shoppers. Um, but having a, a process and a plan in place to, to maximize that is really where we need to go uh, to get to the next level. So, Sam, again, thank you so much. Thank you. It was a, a fun time spending here. Look, uh, look forward to seeing everybody in person soon. Absolutely. So I'm your host, Bill Calkins with Tech on Demand, brought to you by Grower Talks and Green Profit, wishing you all the best next season.